This is Susie Thorpe. Cambridge 105 Radio. The incredible Magpus Air Ambulance medical team are literally available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, bringing hospital-level care to people in life-threatening emergencies. And important, really important to remember, they are a charity. Therefore, only generous public donations have been made. It's just made possible for them to deliver this vital service to over 60,000 people. I caught up with Andy Smith, clinical operations manager and critical care paramedic and talking about his team from Cambridge's Magpus Air Ambulance who continue to respond to critical care emergencies throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. So hope you enjoy. How has COVID-19 impacted on your role and all your colleagues' role at Magpus Air Ambulance? So right at the beginning, it was it was incredible, really, because it was so fast moving. And like we instigated our PPE rules way before the government, really, from about the 7th of March. So it, it, it totally turned everything upside down. How we usually do things was totally different. Um, you know, so it was introducing a lot of new concepts a lot of new sort of rules regarding what we had to wear to jobs and then depending on what we did at jobs was the the, the level of PPE and the level of protection that we needed really so it, it's been it has been a really really busy time for everybody because we've had to go through an awful lot of extra learning mm. and extra practice so you've had to turn things around as well as continue offering, doing your service. So have you had to sort of bring more people in so that you can turn the training around and add all the PPE and all the other sort of things that need to be put in process at the beginning of March? We haven't had, we haven't had to get extra staff, but we've had to work extra hours. Right. You know, that, that, first, that first month, you know, I, I was... I was working 12-hour days every day trying to to get things out and get things published and our medical director and our director of ops and the whole the whole team really from right you know the background media people the fundraisers we've all been working considerably harder during the the initial periods and it only just about feels like we're relaxing a little bit and more into a normal flow now mm. um but i'm not sure if that's just how everybody feels that it's just become a little bit more normal but it's still not we're still a lot of the staff are working from home and uh, the operation staff we all take turns to come in on different days yeah um so Nothing's normal, yeah. Can we talk about the your colleagues as well? What, what, who actually goes into a helicopter and responds to a particular crisis or emergency? Uh, so we have a, a, a doctor who is a specialist emergency medicine doctor or, or a, an anaesthetist or is a pre-hospital emergency medicine trainee doctor. And then we have a critical care paramedic as well. Um, and they form the backbone of the medical team. And then when we're on the helicopter, we have a pilot and we have a crewman that uh, assists the pilot as well. 
So it's a, it's a really good team. We train extensively uh, on our additional advanced surgical skills and advanced um, skills using far greater medical skills than, than a normal, um, nothing against normal paramedics. But we bring the A&E skills from the hospital that the doctors have to the roadside, really. Yes, that's absolutely right. In this COVID experience at the moment, how do you treat the patient, whether they have COVID or not? So all patients are treated as suspected COVID at the moment because there is no clear definition that somebody is definitely COVID. So to protect ourselves and to protect the patient, we have to wear PPE. So we have different levels of PPE to wear. Um, but any any sort of intervention that is an aerosol-generating intervention where we have to put somebody to sleep or we need to carry out suctioning or use oxygen, we we need to wear level 3 PPE, which is the highest level you've got. Um, so it does make things a lot more difficult with communication. Um, so it needs an awful lot of practice for the teams beforehand and getting in and out of the equipment. Um, it takes a lot of practice. Yeah. Point of view of actually um, communicating between all the air ambulance services. How does that, how has that changed in this era that we're in? Because obviously you do communicate if there's an accident that needs more than one helicopter. So the one really good thing that has came come about this is the communication between so there's three air ambulance services within the east of england uh e and heat so on a weekly basis we've been having uh, zoom conference calls and we've we've been sharing ideas we've been all sharing what changes we're doing our SOPs our clinical interventions and then like right at the beginning there was one air ambulance might be able to find somebody that can provide a certain amount of PPE and we've been helping each other so we've all been able to carry on our operations and that has been the collaboration between the services has been fantastic um, you know and we're going to carry on that we've all said no matter what now, we're going to carry on our, our meetings either weekly or we might make it bi-weekly um, and carry on that collaboration because all we want is the best for patients and it doesn't matter which service it is that goes to the patient, we just want the patient to get the best clinical care they can get really. That, that was my next question actually, what have you learned mm. from this this time, this pandemic, this lockdown and obviously you've just answered that you're learning that it is a really good idea to collaborate on a continual basis mm. post it, but what other things have you learned from the experience you've had so far in the last 10 weeks? We've learned how to use PPE, that's for sure. <laughs> it's, it's something that uh, we've not usually learned before, other than the, the Ebola crisis a few years ago. We had to do a bit of training, but there was no, there was non, no cases here, so it was nothing like this. Um, we've learned communication has really improved. Um, between the teams because it's got to be it's non-verbal communication as well 
you know, be between your teams when you're on scene, you've got to be able to just be able to look at your teammate and your teammate knows what you're going to do next yeah. uh, whilst you've got all this PPE on. And from a morale point of view for all of you, you and your colleagues, I, you know, how has that affected all of you and have you been able to help each other or are there outlets where, where colleagues and yourself can actually run to when you really feel that this has just become too much, which is understandable? The backroom staff at Mag has been amazing, really. The, um, we have a really good welfare system and they've been holding virtual quizzes. We've had Zoom fancy dresses we've we, we've put out lots of lots of um tweets of funny photographs and things like this is it, the morale has been good and I, I won't lie it has been a really frightening time you know it is really scary when you go to these covid positive patients or potential and you're worried about your PPE, you're worried about are your drills correct, are you making any mistakes, are you doing the best for your patients. But um, the support that we've had from the the backroom staff that don't get all the plaudits really has been amazing. That's a good point. And when you actually do come to a scene, an emergency scene, and you are dealing with the situation, do you find you have to tell people even now to keep their social distance in a situation where they're trying to help? They're trying to help you, as I said. Do you have to, you know, lots of people come and help each other from a civil point of view, but then do you find situations where policemen are actually haven't got covered up or things like that? Do you have to make people aware as well as doing your own job? Generally, the, the public have been pretty good. Uh, and I, I think... The education out there regards social distancing has has hit home and people are making an effort. Um, there is the odd incident you go to that involves alcohol and, uh, you know, other things that, that people aren't adhering to the social distancing. But in general, most people are quite good. Mm. And and do you find then, like A&E, which have, have depleted their footfall it because of not being being upset about walking into a hospital because of thinking they're going to catch it has i'm not saying it's depleted you're saying you're working 20 12 hours a day but do you find there are there is a level of less emergencies of certain types than you've seen before people are not are being a little bit more careful about what they do so they don't become involved in an accident in a way initially it was because there was less cars on the road so there was less RTCs, there was less motorbikers. Um, so our incidents of RTCs were, did go down. But then incidents of self-harm have gone up and um, there's been higher rates of heart attacks. And because of these people not going to A&E and trying to stay at home with, with problems, with pains... There has been more medical incidents at home that we've we've had to go to, and recently we have noticed a rise in the amounts of of jobs. Now more people are going out on the roads, 
more people are, are sort of like traveling further so these incidents are getting a little bit more busier recently mm, that's really interesting a message to the supporters we obviously it's it as you say on europe not state funded you need to make sure that we raise awareness for funds coming in you can't do face-to-face anymore of, of collecting money for this chat this particular air ambulance and for a, a message to the supporters what's really really important right now and why we have to think about magpus we've had incredible support but we can never have enough support really uh even if it's just being a member of our lottery or going on the website and putting a pound in the donation bucket we have a virtual donation bucket um it all adds up and every single penny goes to patient care um and it's really really you know the the public and organizations out there have been unprecedented times and they've been fantastic and you know everybody here at Madpass really appreciates it well it sounds like well we know you're doing a fantastic job you and your team and all the air ambulance thank you so much andy for having the time to talk to me today cheers oh, all right thank, thank you. you bye bye thanks bye. a lot bye, bye. That was Andy Smith there, Clinical Operations Manager and Critical Care Paramedic from Magpa's Air Ambulance, talking to me about the incredible work that they do as well. There, if you want to visit their site, which is magpas.org.uk, that's M-A-G-P-A-S.org.uk, and they have a support page as well, and they're doing virtual donation buckets, tackle the lockdown boredom, uh, fundraising for us, raffles, and he said there's a lottery as well, lots of things. It's really, really important that we remember these amazing services and charities that do an incredible amount, as I said, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, bringing hospital-level care to people in life-threatening emergencies. And as I said, really, really important to remember they are a charity. Therefore, only generous public donations have made it possible for them to deliver this hugely vital service to literally thousands of people. This is Susie Thorpe. Cambridge 105 Radio.